This morning's Bible reading is uh, the words from Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Carl. Before I pray, let me bring you an update. Uh, I came back uh, this week, having been away for about a week and a half, looking after a little miss. And it was certainly an incredible privilege to be there and to be woken every night <laughs> and to be exhausted at the end of every day. I had forgotten far more than I had remembered about looking after a little one. Um, Kate is uh, doing much better. Rhonda is down there now. And me and uh, Kate, having done the hard yards for the last week and a half, Marnie has decided that she would sleep through for the last four nights. It's pathetic. Anyway, so she's doing well. Kate's settling and uh, magic nonna with the fingers. I don't know what she's got or what she does, but anyway. I think Marnie's scared of her because she's a school teacher, and I just think she's clocked out. That's what I think is going on. But anyway, thank you for praying. Uh, it was certainly, uh, as I said, thrilling and exciting to be there, um, but at the same time, completely exhausting. You would have the evening meal. I was the cook. I would be cooking all the meals and cleaning and doing as much as I could for Kate. I was the taxi and all that stuff because she can't do any of those things at the moment. You know that. And uh, so after the evening meal, we would sit at the table, we'd have the evening meal, I'd pack the dishes into the dishwasher and I would say, I'm going to bed. Doesn't matter what time it was, 8.30, 9 o'clock, 9.30. And then I would sleep. And uh, a couple of nights I said uh, to Katie, just come and wake me up, because she had a couple of all-nighters. Of... And I made a mistake. Uh, um, we were supplementing uh, her breast milk with uh, a little bit of bottle. And I gave her the bottle, but I forgot to take it off her, you know, for, so you could burp her. I forgot that. I let her have the whole bottle. So she had the whole bottle and all the air and all the wind and everything that went with it. So then she had a tummy ache for about 24 hours. Yeah, I got the gift, I tell you. <laughs> Rang Rhonda, what do we do? She said, don't do, do this, you know, patter and stuff. And, and then, the little guts, we had 100 mils. This is the story that I'm going to pray. We had 100 mils of this uh, formula and we gave her the bottle. I was in the kitchen washing up. Dan walked in, gave her the bottle. He walked back, three minutes had passed. She had drunk the whole lot in three minutes, 100 mils. She takes after her grandparents. <laughs> anyway, it's great to be back uh, and good to be with you this morning. We're going to pray and refocus on why we're here. Lord Jesus, you are amazing. You speak truth to us, you are patient with us, and you intend good things for us. 
You are the one who continues to be at work to achieve your purposes. And now, Lord, through this portion of your word, this paragraph from Peter, pray that you would open our eyes to see the truth and that you would move in our hearts by your spirit that we might align ourselves, that we might be fully obedient to your will and intentions, that we might please you and that you might be glorified. We pray and ask this in your name. Amen. If we have the Bible back on the screen, Gary, that'll be helpful. We'll work our way through this paragraph. This term, we are looking at a series, like I said a couple of weeks ago at our Focus Sunday, on being equipped about serving, about discovering our spiritual gifts and finding our place in the body of Christ to be serving him. And this passage gets to that truth, but before it gets there, it puts it in a context. Peter says in verse 7, the end of all things is near. The end is approaching, it's coming. He said that 2,000 years ago. If this is where Jesus died on the cross and ascended to heaven and distributed gifts to his church, if that's 2,000 years ago, Peter was about here when he said it, and we're over here, and if these steps is where Jesus is coming back, we've got to be over here somewhere. We're getting towards the end. The end is approaching. Jesus is coming. Which is a reminder to us that we need to be about the Lord's business. We will not always have the opportunity to be able to serve him and to achieve his purposes. Much time has advanced. How much time is remaining? Nobody knows. Is it one year? Ten years? A hundred years? A thousand? Don't know. But that's to be our perspective. We are to live in the light of the truth that the end is coming either the end of our life in this world or the end of the world. And so we need to be, verse 7 says, therefore be alert. Be aware of what's going on. Have sound judgment. Be level-headed. Have your eyes open and be sober-minded, clear thinking, balanced. So they can have sound judgment. We're to be watchful. What's going on in the world? What is God doing? So that, he says, so we can pray. The end of all things is near. Be alert, be sober-minded so you can pray. That's the first thing Peter says to us. We need to be a people who pray. Last week, had a week of prayer, which went extremely well. For all of you who came and participated in it, I'm sure you were blessed by it. You would have received, if you received the prayer and praise notes, a, uh, a bit of a sharing and a report, for, I think, from Margie, of uh, her experiences in it, that God met with many of you. I think it ended up 150 160 people with candles in the baptistry of representing a candle, representing a person who doesn't know Jesus yet or something like that. It could have been a person who was unwell and we need, we're praying for God's intervention in their life. It was a wonderful time. And throughout this year, we're going to have certainly focuses on prayer and Peter is calling the church, calling us, so we can pray. Please pray. Pray for the pastoral team. They've got some heavy responsibilities right now. Pray for the management team. They've got some heavy responsibilities also. Pray for the ministry leaders. This is what we did last week and prayed for them each. Continue to pray for them. Pray that God will work his purposes out. God will sustain them. That God will protect them from the evil one and from discouragement. Verse 8. Above all. In other words, this has high priority. Love one another. Um, Peter says that we are to love one another deeply in the NIV. 
fervently, with effort. He's not talking about sentimental love. He's not about talking about feeling love. He's talking about sacrificial love. Have the attitude of trying to do good to the other person, to do that which is right to the other person. And sometimes doing the right to the other person doesn't appear to be loving, but it is. When parents discipline a child, it's because the parents love the child. Well, it should be because the parent loves the child. It's trying to help. When a teacher disciplines a student in the class, same thing is happening. Sometimes love needs to be tough. But above all, Peter says, we are to love one another. It's the picture of a horse which is at full gallop, of stretching out its muscles. It's straining to achieve its purpose. So that's to be our motivation and our attitude in terms of the way we love. It's going to take effort. It's going to take self-denial. How are you travelling with that? And then Peter gives this reason, a quote from Proverbs, because love covers a multitude of sins. Have an attitude of love towards one another where we are concerned for one another to be the best that God wants us to be. And sometimes when people say things, do things, first step is always, is that something I can overlook? That's what Peter's referring to. Is it something that we can just simply ignore that we don't need to speak to them about it we don't need to hold them accountable over it we can just simply let it go love covers a multitude of sins this is not all the bible says about what we are to do jesus certainly said if somebody says something or you're offended by somebody you ought to go and see them and there's a process to go through so this is not all that the bible says about it but it does say it here that when we are to be loving we are to be mature and level-headed and to make sensible choices, not to retaliate, not to give the same kind of behaviour in kind. We all mess up, but we need to be loving each other and we need to be able to trust one another. That's where we're coming from. And if we suspect it's not, then we need to man up and speak up graciously, lovingly. Speak the truth in love to one another. That's what it's about. Above all, love one another because love covers a multitude of sins. And then he says, flowing out of that love, is practice hospitality. Offer hospitality to one another. Continue to be connected and committed to one another. Having people at home or to coffee or catching up or whatever it is. Offer hospitality to one another. And then he says, very interestingly, without grumbling, without complaining. I've always read that. When you invite people home for a meal or you're offering hospitality, a bed for the night or whatever it is, form of hospitality is taking, you are to do so without grumbling, without whinging and complaining. This week I had another little insight. When we offer hospitality to one another, when we invite people to come and have a cup of coffee or a meal or whatever it is, often when we get together... It's easy to whinge, it's easy to complain, it's easy to grumble about the things that you're not happy about. And Peter is saying, offer hospitality to one another, get together with one another, but do it without complaining, without grumbling. Because all you're then doing is infecting others. That's what it says. How are you going with that one? Be open-hearted to one another be on our best behaviour. Then we get to the point. The end of all things is near. Pray. Love one another. 
offer hospitality to one another and serve one another. That's the gist of verses 10 and 11, our focus this morning. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of you, no exception, though I'll give you some in a minute. But it's each of you. Well, here are the exceptions. You may not be able to serve one another according to your gift because um, you're wounded in some way, you're hurt, you're, you may have be part of this church at the moment, this congregation, because you've come from another church where you've been hurt or wounded or something's gone wrong somewhere. And you might be part of this church and that's happened as well. And you find that you're not serving. Well, because you're wounded and you need time out, you need to be um, healed and ministered to rather than giving out. There's one exception. It could be because you're getting older, you're aged. You can't do what you used to do when you were younger. I discovered that last week. There's a reason why you have kids when you're young. It's because you've got energy. There are many of you who are seniors. What's a senior? How old do you have to be to be a senior, Mug? Are you a senior? No. Oh, no. <laughs> Gary, are you a senior? No. Not sure. Who's a senior? Oh, we've got seven seniors in our church. Is it over 45? No. 60? 65? 50? Over 80? It's interesting, isn't it? I'm 62. I'll be 62 in August. 62 is not old. Ask me when I was 30, I would have said yes. As you approach these numbers, they suddenly become irrelevant. For some of you, not many of you, who were seniors, you once served when you were younger days and you don't have the energy or the ability now to do so. That's okay. That's part of life's journey. The Lord bless you. You can serve in other ways. You may not be able to do what you did, but you can pray. You can encourage. There are other ways that you can serve. So there's another exception. You may not be able to use your particular gifts that you've got because they're now beyond your ability to be able to do it, your aged physical abilities. There's a third reason why you may not be able to operate your gifts, and that's because you're in sin. You're being disobedient, and so you're choosing not to use your gifts, I guess. Or you're in sin and you have been placed under discipline so that you can't use your gifts until you deal with this sin. There's some exceptions to each one of you should use. It's a choice. God has given you a gift, or gifts, plural, and you are to use it. It's a choice. It requires effort, time and energy. There'll always be something else more entertaining or more something else that you could be doing but Peter is saying to us, God is saying to us, that each one of you is to use whatever gift God has given you. It's whatever gift, because there is a variety of gifts. In fact, Peter says um, down in verse 10, the end of verse 10, that it's God's grace and its manifold forms. <clears throat> it's like um, white light hitting a prism and it breaks into seven, the, the seven colours of the rainbow. Each gift is a little bit like that. 
It's the gift of teaching, but there's all different sorts of variations of the gift of teaching, from teaching kids to teaching adults to preaching to writing to teaching whatever, life groups, teaching one-on-one. God's grace in its various forms. Each one of you use whatever gift God has given you, what you've received, to serve other believers. Your gift is given for the benefit of others. Yeah, there is kickback, it is satisfying, it is fulfilling, it will be rewarding when God rewards you and you know, evaluates your life service. But ultimately, gifts are given for others. They're not given for just for self-focus. Even the gift of tongues, which is the most self-individualized gift that the Holy Spirit does give because it's a prayer language. But even if you have the gift of tongues, and some of you do, then you are instructed in the Scriptures to pray for the gift of interpretation in order that you can use it and benefit others with it. Each one of you, use whatever gift you've received in order to serve others as faithful stewards. We are stewards. We've been entrusted with a divine ability and empowerment in order to be able to serve him in the church. As we said on Focus Sunday, we serve God in three fields. We serve God in the family, we serve God in the church, and we serve God outside the church. And different percentages at different times and in different ways. And spiritual gifts are given primarily to be served in the church. Ephesians chapter 4. And then Peter breaks it up into a couple of categories. If anyone speaks, do it as one who is speaking the very words of God. Not sharing your own opinions, but sharing God's truth, God's perspective. It's God's truth through you if if you've got a speaking gift. Or if it's a serving gift, a doing gift, then do it with the strength, the energy that God provides for you. And you'll find, as many of you have, I'm sure, already, in the process of serving God, he does energise you. He gives you the ability to be able to do it. All of this so that, why? So that in all things God might be praised, that he might be glorified through Jesus. God gives you gifts to serve, to serve one another in the church body in order that he gets glorified, that he gets pleased. And then Peter finishes with the doxology, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here are the truths out of 1 Peter 4. Spiritual gifts are divinely endowed abilities which empower saints to perform spiritual ministry. There are abilities there energies their grace gifts in order for you to have a a contribution to make they're not natural talents there's a difference between natural talents and spiritual abilities spiritual gifts spiritual gifts come when you become a christian talents come when you are born talents come through your parents spiritual gifts come through the holy spirit they're different you can have a natural talent to play the piano it's not a spiritual gift But that's a natural talent which can be consecrated to God, dedicated to him, and he can work through that. And you, a person through who playing the piano, can be a person who is either instructing or leading or helping or serving, worshipping. The gift is manifested through the talent. Every Christian has at least one spiritual gift, at least one, and most of us will have more than one. You may have one primary gift, but you'll have other secondary gifts. 
That's an experiential statement. That's what I find to be true generally. But everybody has at least one, the Bible teaches us. Spiritual gifts are given to us as stewardship, so we've been entrusted with it. And as stewards, we are to be found faithful in its exercise. Spiritual gifts are not given, as I said, primarily for our own benefit, but they're given for the benefit of uh, serving others and for the glory of God. How many spiritual gifts are there in the New Testament? There are a number. It's not... It's not an exhaustive list. This is about 30 mentioned in the New Testament, depending on how you count them. There are, in fact, eight passages, eight lists of gifts in the New Testament. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 14, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Eight different gifts in those five or six chapters. When you compare all of the different lists and add them up, you'll find that no two lists are the same. That's why it's not exhaustive. And that these gifts are given by the Spirit of God to people when they become believers in the Lord Jesus. You've been given a gift. Your role, your purpose is to identify what that gift is, to develop that gift and to be using that gift. And our role, our responsibility as pastors particularly, is to be able to help you in that process, to be equipping you in it. You may have a spiritual gift which helps you to communicate God's word. Here's a categorization of them whether it's prophecy or teaching or preaching or evangelism or missions. You may have a gift which is to educate God's people. Again, teaching, exhortation, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discernment. You may have a spiritual gift which demonstrates God's love, whether it's practical service, mercy, pastoring, giving, healing, hospitality. Or you may have a gift which celebrates God's presence. Music, not that that's a spiritual gift, but it's a talent that you can be using. Arts and crafts, intercession, miracles, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. As Peter says, there are generally speaking gifts and there are serving gifts, and you have one of those at least. You're to embrace it, thank God for it, and use it for him. So let me emphasise this. Listen carefully. All believers have a spiritual gift. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you have one. I'd like a dollar for every time I've had a believer, a Christian, say to me, I don't have a gift. Yeah, you do. The Bible says so. 1 Corinthians 12, Peter 10, as everyone has received. All believers have a spiritual gift. No one, no one except the Lord Jesus would have all of the spiritual gifts. And thirdly, no one gift is for everyone. No one gift is for everyone. In other words, let's pick the controversial one. Let's pick tongues. Not everybody will be given the gift of tongues. It's not for everyone, regardless of what some churches teach. No one gift is for everyone. Controversial. Spiritual gifts are permanent can't lose them, but you can bury them. They can atrophy through lack of use, but you still got it. And you'll be held accountable for it on that last day when you appear before him. What did you do with the gift or gifts I gave you? Spiritual gifts are permanent. Spiritual gifts are to be developed. Listen carefully. Spiritual gifts manifest through both clean vessels, 2 Timothy 2, and through loving vessels. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 3, the Apostle Paul says, 
that if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, then I'm just a clanging gong. I'm a, it's useless. The gifts have to operate out of the context of love, love for God and love for people and clean to be obedient to him, confessing sin, to be cleansed. Spiritual gifts manifest through clean and loving vessels. And finally, using my gifts, which I've already said, uh, pleases God and blesses others. There are problems with spiritual gifts. Here are four or five of them. You may have experienced some of these. There is one thing I call gift projection. Gift projection is where somebody says they have a gift of, let's say, evangelism. And because they have the gift of evangelism, they find evangelism particularly easy and satisfying and effective. And then they say, this is easy, you can do it. No, you can do that because you've got the gift. I don't have the gift, so it's not going to be easy. It doesn't take away my responsibility to be a witness. But gift projection is where we project onto others. It's easy. You can do this. We expect others to do what we are doing without acknowledging the fact that it's God's giftedness in us and his spirit empowering us who is doing that through us. Gift projection just makes others feel guilty and inadequate or inferior. Then there's, secondly, gift depreciation. Oh, I don't like that gift. You be very careful about doing that. There are solid Bible teachers, guys that I would respect. They have a very different view to me on when it comes to spiritual gifts. And they would say some of the gifts have ceased. Maybe you think that. I think that's a very dangerous position to be in. You're going, you are depreciating a gift. You are not valuing it. And it's the Spirit of God who gives these gifts. If he gives you the gift of tongues, don't play it down. If he gives you a gift of prophecy, if he gives you whatever gift he gives you, embrace it it's a gift and it's given to you to serve others let them benefit from it then here is a big one <clears throat> number three gift excusing i use my gifts to excuse myself from my either my biblical responsibilities or from my practical responsibilities gifts excusing i don't have the gift of evangelism so therefore i don't have to do it or I don't have the gift of hospitality, so I don't have to do it. Or I don't have the gift of teaching or encouragement or giving. Or I don't have the, the gift of giving. Or I don't have the gift of... I don't have those gifts. Therefore, I don't have to do them. No, that's not following. Each one of the gifts probably has a corresponding New Testament command for a believer. We all have the responsibility to be witnesses. About 10% of us are going to have the gift of evangelism. We all have the responsibility to be interceders, to be praying for our world and for our loved ones. But not all of us have the gift of prayer or the gift of intercession. We all have the responsibility to be faithful stewards of our finances, to be giving. But some people have this great joy and they're very generous in giving. And God supplies them in order resourcing them so that they can be giving. So don't use gifts to excuse us from our yeah. biblical responsibilities and on the flip side of that, don't use our gifts to excuse ourselves from our, I don't know what to call this, but I'm going to call it secondary ministries, the practical stuff. 
Someone's got to clean the toilets. Someone's got to mow the grass. Someone's got to set up the chairs. Someone's got to clean the building. Someone has to set up morning tea. Someone has to wash up. They're not gifts. I don't know any gift that's, oh, I've got a gift for cleaning toilets. I've got a gift for making morning tea. You can see people who have a gift of hospitality that might come, that'll overflow for them into that, but we all have a responsibility to help out practically. Does that make sense? So it's time for us not to use our gifts. Oh, I don't have that gift. There are some practical things that we need to be doing to assist one another, to be servant-hearted, serving together. It's the mundane stuff. It's the necessary stuff. And God will notice and God will reward. Matthew 10, Jesus talks about even giving a glass or a cup of cold water in his name gets rewarded. Cup of water. Or Matthew 25 where it talks about uh, as you did it unto the one of least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Visiting, clothing, providing food, practical things. Not gifts, just responsibilities. Listen to this. I thought very carefully about this sentence. We are not saved by our good works, but when we are saved, we will be doing good works. And if we are not serving, if we are not doing these practical good things, we may not be saved. We are not saved by our good works, but when we are saved, we will be serving. We will be doing some of these good things. And if we are not doing these good things, if we are not serving, we may not be saved. I'm not saying you're not, because as I said before, there are some exceptions. You could be wounded, you could be aged, you could be under discipline, you could be, have sin in your life. We've been saved to serve. And we need to step it up. Fourth problem that can come with gifts gift projection, gift appreciation, gift excusing my biblical responsibilities or gifts excusing my practical responsibilities of helping out. Uh, gifts can also be self-focused. That's an issue. Your gifts are not, my gifts are not for me. It's not like a birthday party where I get gifts and they're mine. It's, I've been given a gift which is a responsibility and an enabling to use for others. And if I don't use my gift, I'm robbing you. If you don't use your gift, you're robbing us. You can't lose it, as I said, but it can atrophy. You can bury it. You know that parable of the talents. And gifts can lose their effectiveness through this neglect. We need to identify our gifts, polish them, sharpen them, use them for his honour and glory. Nearly done. We also need to, on this whole teaching of spiritual gifts, we need to be open to the possibility, having identified our gifts, and um, in terms of identifying it, let me just give you uh, a couple of really quick things. You need to dedicate yourself to him. Lord, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. You need to then evaluate who you are and what talents you have and what gifts you think you might have. Learn about the spiritual gifts and then it's activate them. Have a go at something. And you'll find out both by doing it and by feedback from others whether you have that gift or not. It's a process to go through. Anyway, more of that in a second. 
I want to say this and then I want to summarise. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, you therefore have the Holy Spirit living in you. And if the Holy Spirit is living in you, then he can at any sovereign time manifest any gift through you. If you're walking daily with him and in full obedience to him. He can at any point minister any one of the gifts through you. It won't be a permanent endowment of gift. It's simply an empowerment for a particular situation or circumstance where he can, through you, heal somebody. Through you, anoint you for uh, intercession or evangelism or whatever. And we should always be open to the possibility as we live submitted, consecrated, obedient lives to him that he may prompt us to go and do something. Could be a one-off. If I had time, I'd tell you a remarkable story of a man. I always get his name wrong, but I'm going to call him David Jones. whom couldn't preach to save himself. He could hardly communicate publicly. <clears throat> but the Spirit of God came upon this guy and for two years was eloquent and powerful. Two years. Thousands came to faith through his evangelistic ministry. He had a four-point sermon. You can still read it today. And he had one sermon, four points. Holy Spirit used it for two years. After two years, the anointing lifted. He went back to being a stuttering and poor communicator. Explain that, God. Each one of us has a spiritual gift. The gifts have been given to us for the benefit of others. We are to be stewards of these gifts and these gifts are to bring honour and glory to God. Questions. Do you know your spiritual gift? Can you name it? If you can't name it, keep listening. If you can name it, are you using it? And if you're not using it, why not? It's disobedience. If you can't name your gift, if you're not sure what your gifts are and you want to know more, then we're going to hold a seminar before Easter couple of weeks we'll give you more details it's in two parts you've got to do both parts we'll run one on a saturday morning and one during a weeknight something like that and then the following saturday morning and the following weeknight so you need to come to two of those sessions first week will be the first session second week will be the second session doesn't matter which nights or which times you come but we will help you to learn about and to discover what your spiritual gift is it's a process and then through discovering your gift, you'll be able to then niche into some area of service and ministry in the life of the church. Before Easter as well, you'll be given sometime, maybe a couple of weeks, you'll be given a list of all of the vacancies we have in our church. In the bulletin today, you'll see that, please pray for our Boys Brigade captaincy. Uh, the mowing roster needs more recruits. Uh, there's something else that's gone from my mind. Something else is advertised of ways that you can step up and help out. There's lots of areas in the life of the church where we can help. And we want to help you in order to find your place of service. God gave you a gift for his honour and glory, for your blessing and for our equipping, our growth. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, your word is very clear. That Jesus is head of the church, you've distributed gifts to each one of your followers, to each brother and sister. Help us, Lord, as a church, to be able to identify what our gifts are. Help us to be passionate about developing them. Deliver us from any of the issues with gifts of gift projection or gift appreciation, or using our gifts as excuses 
for not getting involved in other things. And deliver us, Lord, from being self-focused. Help us to become focused on you. The end is near. It's approaching. Soon, all of us will have to hand our tools in. Until then, Lord, energize us, empower us, and use us to extend the kingdom and to glorify your name. And we pray for this, Jesus, in your name. And everybody said, would you stand with